welcome to the podcast, The Common Bridge with Richard Helpy. Rich is a successful entrepreneur in the technology, health, and finance space. He and his wife, Leslie, are also philanthropists with interest in civic and artistic endeavors, but with a primary focus on medically and educationally underserved children. My name is Brian Kruger, and from time to time, I'll be the moderator and host of this podcast. Richard, I cornered you again. Now it's becoming a habit. I'm sure I probably should find counseling for this. Um, I had to get some quick takes from you on the election. Uh, since we talked last time, the Democratic primary landscape has changed dramatically. Tell us what you think and tell us what you see coming down the pipe. Uh, well, first of all, Brian, I have to admit, I, I'm kind of enjoying these <laughs> quick takes, as you call them. Oh, and, no. Oh, no. Another show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know something? And uh, I'm getting more uh, feedback from people about that than the, the detailed policies. What I hear back from folks talking about the policy discussions is, hey, I'm learning so much. I never knew about this. That's I never great. knew about yeah. that. Yeah. And the commentary back on the quick takes is, wow, that was refreshing. I'm so glad someone said that. Yeah. More people should hear this. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, okay. Um, and, and the numbers uh, do reflect that. So it, it really reinforces my sense that people are looking for a better way other than this hyper-partisanship and this distorted cycle. All right, and not to rise in defense of our current president, but everyone knows today that when you see a headline coming out from CNN that has the word Trump in it, automatically, okay, this is going to be spun in absolutely the worst possible light <laughs> for the president. We know that's happening, right? Yep. Um, but there's been a lot of things that have occurred. Um, and it's not just the Democrats, it's the Republicans too, when you break this down. So let, let me start with, uh, in, in a way, this is a positive, all right? It started as a horrible negative, but I think it's moving toward a positive. And, and Senator Chuck Schumer um, made what was unmistakably threatening remarks about the Supreme Court that's justices. Right, yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay? And, I mean, I just, it's a disgusting display of partisanship. He was blasted so hard, he walked the commentary back. And uh, I hope he can stay there. Um, but, of course, the, he's trying to also, as many uh, others are doing, trying to take the actions of a virus and attribute it the negative impacts to the president. That's and, right. Yeah. And and the exaggerations and the extrapolations, um, you just can't keep up with them. It and and it's not doing the public any good, other than undermining any confidence they might have that some really talented people that are in the employ of our federal government uh, are know what they're doing. Sure. Um, you know, come on, they, they blast the, the leadership of the government, and then they say, well, look at CDC. Like, hello, CDC is part of our government. You know? <laughs> I'm going to steer you back, though, because last week we saw in a 72-hour uh, 72 72 hour span um, uh, 
Mr. Biden went from uh, being nearly gone, uh, resources depleted. Um, he was he was about to be an afterthought, a footnote to the 2020 election. And lo and behold, uh, here he is, a front runner. What did what are your observations about that? What do you think happened? I, I don't think it's as much about uh, Joe Biden as I think it's about anti Bernie Sanders. Really? Uh, okay. That uh, yeah. Look, D- Joe Biden has uh, a long track record. It's uh, unmistakable that he has positive attributes. That he's um, seen as a, a nice guy. Um, he comes with so much baggage and so much attack surface. Uh, and, and look, it's pretty obvious that his mental acuity is not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about how he got to this front runner status, it, it goes from he jumped in and it starts with name recognition goes to the early primaries, doesn't do very well until, uh uh-oh, it looks like Sanders is getting ahead. And then, as I said on another one of these, it's like South Carolina that's going to vote for a Republican uh, in November. They pick him. Well, all of a sudden now, Joe's our guy. He's our firewall against Bernie Sanders. And I observed the news coverage um, in many channels, local television stations, cable coverage, newspapers, editorial pages, all the places that I go, the conspicuous absence was the mention of Bernie Sanders. They just kept saying Biden, 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 Biden. You had mentioned that earlier, yeah, and and, and I started taking note of that, and you're right, uh, really pushed to the back burner, really far off the Yeah, and and they're they're still running neck and neck for delegates Mm -hmm. um, that uh, the— Bernie Sanders camp has very enthusiastic uh, voters behind them. Mm-hmm. Or supporters. Uh, in South We're not Carolina, sure if they're voters, but supporters. Well, support, well, and voters. I mean, look, in South Carolina, um, they touted the black vote that went to Biden, but the black vote under 30 went to Sanders. So there's something afoot here. And the Democrat establishment, which in 2016 picked a horribly flawed candidate to lose to the likes of Donald Trump, it does not appear they've learned their lesson because they're now going to uh, back a, they being the Democratic National Committee establishment, Mm -hmm. they want to back the ultimate establishment candidate who has got even more flaws. And the the irony of a a party that relies so much on identity politics that says, well, you know, we've got to free the world from old white men, have manipulated their rules. Within a space of a couple of weeks, they changed their rules to put another old white guy, Mike Bloomberg, on the debate stage, mm-hmm. and as we're about to see a terrifically sound debate with Senator Sanders, Vice President Biden, and Representative Gabbard, 
they change the rules again so Gabbard can't be on the <laughs> they stage. Op opened the door for the for the old white guy, closed it for the diverse, the only diversity left in there. In yes, their, in, in their dugout. In, I think it's tragic because I, I still suspect people are looking for the off-ramp from President Trump and that they're looking at the, the what the Democrats are offering, and they go, well, that doesn't really look like it. And then what an insult to take Gabbard, who has followed the process all the way through, who was stiff-armed in some of the debates, mm -hmm. uh, and not allow her her time. I believe she could have picked up 20% of the vote just because of the sharp contrast in her her demeanor, her age, her experience. Oh yeah, and she she sounds um, her, great she, up there, and she looks she, great. She, she sounds and great. She embodies diversity, mm -hmm. right? And I think people would look at that and go, you know, I'll take that off ramp. And as we've talked about other people, we talked about Buttigieg, Warren, Klobuchar, all of them viable off ramps to where where we are today. And the Democrat National Committee has gotten together and just blown that up and left us with two guys who I both <laughs> believe are older than Donald Trump. Yes, they and, are. And, and both carry a significant amount of baggage. Rich, I'll give you, one, like, I'll really, give you one better. When Biden, if, if Biden gets elected, should he get elected the day he takes office, he will be the same age as Ronald Reagan was the day he left office. So, well, so chew on that one. <laughs> that, that, that is something. Now, to, to be fair, um, the last uh, weeks have not been kind to President Trump. Uh, he has pivoted briefly to acting presidential. <laughs> um, it, it, that, I, I don't know if you can keep it up. Um, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, that... His trump card, no pun intended, has always been, how's your 401k? That, they're going to cram that down his throat. Oh, they should. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Now, the irony is that you have people cheering for economic hardship. Just so they can win that argument. On, <laughs> yeah, on, on America. <laughs> So the question then comes, if come November, we are mired in a recession, entirely possible. If November comes and there are permanent changes based on the coronavirus, the question becomes, who do you trust the most to come up with the policy initiatives for the economy and for the, the public health of the nation. Right. And I know what you're thinking. I know what Go you're ahead. thinking. Go ahead. None of the above, <laughs> which oh, again comes back to my theme. And the reason I'm doing these podcasts is that the partisan party politics has become so overplayed that we can't even think about the common good and we watched in 2016 as the Republican establishment methodically wiped out 
15 really good candidates who would have been great chief executives of the nation. Mm -hmm. And we watched in 16 and now again 20 where the entrenched Democrat establishment wiped out the best alternatives. And where can America go to find a president that we believe shares our values and is willing to stand above the fray and deal with the issues on a policy basis? And that's, that's, it's a sad place to be. You know, I don't really know what to say yeah, further about it. No, it, it is, but I, I think, it, you know, a lot of it is. Uh, the the electorate's fault, or maybe it's a, then in turn the media's fault, because these candidates now have to be scrubbed so clean, or or, or uh, they, they have to they have to fit in a vertical that's nearly impossible for everybody to <laughs> to agree on. So, like you said, we come to the end of the day, smoke clears, and we have two seventy some year old guys on the Democratic side when they should have that. This should be the time when there should be a forty or fifty year old, you know, great. You know, energetic person up there, a person of color, uh, a female, female person of color, somebody that get everybody can get behind and go, this is great. This is a, this is a new look, and and it's just a complete failure on the left to produce somebody like that. Because, like I say, I think there's a lot of people want to take the off ramp on Trump, but I just don't think it's going to happen now. Yeah, look, the last uh, uh, person to be named in this uh, election cycle be the vice president, on, and presuming Biden gets the nomination. Mm -hmm. Um, although I think that's far from assured. Um, and, but if he gets the nomination, the, um, last, uh, person to be named would be the vice president candidate for Mm -hmm. the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And there's been, there were a number of names thrown around, most of whom I don't think would make any sense. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, a few in our last podcast where I caught you off guard. You brought up uh, Michigan's governor Whitmer. You, you like her, and, and it's her name seems to be bouncing around a little bit. She's a very attractive candidate. Um, the single uh, question would be: uh, Is she ready? Mm-hmm. In, in that she is new to the governorship, and again, I do like the way she's handling the job. Um, makes me proud to be a Michigander. Uh, she is cut from a similar cloth as Rick Snyder. Um, Rick, you know, wasn't one to uh, take credit or fix blame. It's like, okay, what do we need to work on? Mm -hmm. Relentless positive action was his mantra. Um, And and Governor Whitmer seems to be picking up uh, that mantra in her own way and and proceeding. Um, She did not run a negative campaign. Um, She has not governed as a uh, as, as a partisan uh, person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I think makes her a good governor. I, I don't know whether she would play well uh, as a vice president candidate uh, for sure. Just, just given that she's only been in the job a matter of months. Makes sense. Um, what, one that someone asked me, like, uh, you know, who of the candidates that are no longer in the running might make good vice presidents. And I'm going to talk just about two of them. Okay. And one, I think is pretty obvious and one might surprise you. So let me, the, the pretty obvious one would be uh, Amy Klobuchar. Sure. And it, in the early debates, I mean, she was literally shaking. She was so nervous. I thought something was wrong with her, um, but she's a really good campaigner. And that's what the 
vice president's job often is. Um, she's a Midwesterner, um, so she would be a great uh, matchup against Mike Pence. Uh, she would put uh, Iowa in play, as you know, that went Republican mm -hmm. in 16. Yeah. Uh, she would make Wisconsin hotly competitive. Um, and I think, you know, in the upper Midwest, she'd be looked at as, well, there's one of ours and, you know, there's, there's some comfort there. So sure. I think that, and I know she has some baggage and some things as they all do with the op research, but, um, you know, there's a, there's a reasonable choice there. Uh, the one that might surprise you, it would be Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. And let me lay out the case for Elizabeth Warren. So number one, um, she's already well known. She already has a following. She's, uh, as you know, very policy oriented. Uh, there is not a big downside for her to run because if she's not successful, she's um, still the senator from Massachusetts uh, and she still uh, you know, can run again uh, if she so chooses mm -hmm. uh, in four years. Mm -hmm. um, I think that she might be attractive to uh, the followers of Senator Sanders. Uh, she's viewed in many places as kind of a Sanders light. Sure. Um, so some of them, she could bring some over. Yeah. She could, she could bring some over. Um, and uh, look, she's an energetic campaigner. And would you argue, um, I, I think she was the smartest one on the stage for most of those debates. Oh, you know, it's, it, it, look, it's a shame that the process is what the process is mm -hmm. because a, a a, I was actually looking forward to her being a nominee and debating President Trump. I remember that we, because, could, you know, we he, could dial back to earlier podcasts of yours back uh, in in you know, last year, where you had mentioned that you were right. very impressed with her as a candidate. Right, and you look what she did to Mike Bloomberg in the debate. Mm -hmm. I mean, made him a non-factor overnight. Oh, it was like <laughs> he like ran ran into a buzzsaw. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, uh, he just had no idea what to do. She just. She hacked him up and, <laughs> and sent him off stage. Right. Uh, so I think she brings a lot to the party. Um, I think she could help center the uh, country on policy. You know, given you know Joe Biden's uh, mental acuity, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I've seen enough missteps that mm -hmm. people could look at her and go, okay, well, you know, that if she becomes the president, I'm going to be uh, okay with that. Yep. So um, now whether she would do it again, I don't know about the internal workings, but it'd, it'd be easier for her to say, you know, I came into this race because I wanted Donald Trump to be defeated. Um, and this is the role I'm going to play to see that end. And I think that is a understandable and believable position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's an attractive candidate, too. Would it address uh, the African-American vote enough? I know that Biden brings some of that with him. Um, I I, I know that Bernie wasn't big with the African African American vote, still isn't. But you said under, uh, over over thirty. I wonder how uh, how she would do with that. It's not going to hurt him. I mean, okay. that's you know, Biden is is going to uh, be strong in that demographic, uh, and President Trump, who had great numbers in the economy for uh, minority employment and minority. Uh, household income rising um, that looks like it's going to be thwarted 
by the combination of the coronavirus and the Saudi oil shocks. I mean, right. we're sitting here in March, and you know, one argument can be November is a long way away. Uh, on the other hand, what restarts this economy? And because it is an intertwined global economy, it's not policy action by one government in one part of the world that gets the trains moving again. Um, it's got to be a lot of coordinated efforts um, at a time when there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, and to that end, look, I've talked to some friends of mine who have uh, business interest in China, and they're saying that for the large part, China's coming back online. I had heard that as and, well. But yeah, not, so, not, you guys are far more connected, but I had heard that as well. I had heard that as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm talking about people that actually, you know, have employees in yeah, China and are yeah. acutely aware of what's happening there day to day. Mm -hmm. uh, yet, the caution I would put is that it is still a country where, frankly, the government can order people to go back to work with or without a health risk. So, you know, yeah, the people are yeah, at the right. I see what at saying. the factories. Has the underlying issue actually been addressed? Two different questions. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And 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 if it's that yes, um, that the this disease has peaked and it's on its way out, then great. The economy is going to eventually gain steam. If it's people have been sent back and they're not really well. Um, it's going to get far worse than it is today. Yeah. All right. So again, I, I we need to hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and uh, be vigilant, and more out of our government. Expect more out of the news sources that we consume. Richard, I'll, I'll leave you at that. I know you have things to do. Thanks so much for. Uh participating again in uh, <laughs> this midweek uh, podcast. I, I really do appreciate it, but the numbers are telling us that more people want to listen to this too. So thanks. And I, um, I won't give up, I won't, won't give up on policy and I won't give up on, <laughs> uh, you know, I challenge anybody to show me that partisan party politics is the way to go. Um, and if you can find somebody or anybody that's listening can find somebody, message me. We'll put uh, you let's on. Let's bring them on. Yeah. yeah. And let's let, and convince me that the way <laughs> to go is to, you know, mindlessly back one party or the other. Exactly. Okay? All right. That, that's a well, challenge to everybody to have, out there. <laughs> ready to have ready to have that talk. <laughs> put the gloves on. Rich, thanks so much. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. All right. You have a good rest of the week. All right, Brian. Good chat. All right. You have been listening to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge podcast, recording and post-production provided by Stunt3 Multimedia. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy. For more information, visit richardhelpy.com.